0: Welcome to Two and a Half Sportsmen, a sports comedy podcast hosted by Jordan Pommerville, Joel Anderson, and your sports outsider, Phil Ranta. Let's get it on. And now for another Sports Throughout History! Bum, bum, ba, bum bum, bum, bum. Brought to you by... The History Channel. Today we're going to do the history of wood. It's a very old material. Wow, well... Uh, hard as it may be to tear yourself away from the History Channel and their history of wood, I think I have one you're going to like here, Phil. Okay. Now, I know that you're what not. What about a fan. Jordan? Is he going to like yeah, it? Yeah, well, I, how how will I I feel like you're. How you're will I respond to this? you not address the whole Jordan room. Jordan will also like it. Okay. How am so, I, I going to engage with this material? Right. The wood stuff I understood. Yeah. yeah we all use wood. Reasons. What I'm trying to do here, Phil, is package sports throughout history in a way that appeals to your sensibilities. The common man. Jordan preaching to the choir. Uh, Okay, yeah, that's fair. Okay, so I know that you're not necessarily a fan of sports. No, I'm a sports outsider, Phil Ranta. But you are a fan of cheesy sports movies. Yes. Ah, so how would you like to hear about the day on May 18th, 1912, Mm. when the Detroit Tigers went on strike? leaving a ragtag group of neighborhood kids from Philadelphia to take the field in front of 15,000 fans and play the two-time defending world champion Philadelphia Athletics. Uh, is there Was there a movie about this, or you just think there should be? Uh, no, but you hear okay. what I'm saying? Yeah, no, it's it's ragtag, t- tried it, rag-tag it's a group of neighborhood kids. Wait, like, what year yeah. was this? 1912. Okay. Like remember when the Mighty Ducks suddenly were like playing other countries and you're like, "Okay, I got it that they were like good enough to play in their local regionals, but now all of a sudden in D2, you've got them like playing fucking Sweden?" Yeah. Like, come on. That's what this feels like. But I mean, if if you had them playing like uh Italy, yeah. You'd be like, "Oh yeah, of course, neighborhood kids." From from Minnesota are going to beat the best Italian hockey. So I'm sorry. <laughs> what is the movie or story here? Okay, let let's continue. Jordan is super interested in the movie or story. Yep. So the the setup. Uh, your first act. Uh, begins with the story of one Ty Cobb, okay, possibly the greatest baseball player of all time, who sharpened his cleats. Right, I remember you saying that once. Uh, supposedly, and this is actually many I'm, players did at the time. Yeah, oh, I, I see. I've, I've lent uh, this book to Jordan, but it would turn out that a lot of the worst stories about Ty Cobb are apocryphal and were in fact invented by his autobiographer who was a really, really terrible person who made shit up. He knew Uh, how to sell books. Yeah, he did. He was an alcoholic, so he had to. Yeah, if it bleeds, it leads, literally. But that is not to say that one thing that is true about Ty Cobb is he had a bit of a violent streak, something of a temper. And Uh so uh, in mid-May of 1912, uh, they were playing a game in New York, uh, and Claude Lucker, uh, who was a Tammany Hall Page what? That's right. A Tammany, Tammany Hall, Hall page. Horrible, hideously corrupt political machine that bled the puffled coffers of New York City. I don't know what any of those words mean. Why? why and he played for New York, the New York Highlanders? No. He was in the stands. Oh, in the stands. And oh. he was shouting things at Ty Cobb. Oh, no. You might remember this, Jordan, as the time Ty Cobb beat up a guy with no hands. Yes. He just uses sharpened cleats. Yes. Claude, Claude Lucker uh, was missing one full hand and all but three fingers in his other hand from an industrial accident. Okay. Which obviously creates a lot of sympathy for Mr. Lucker. Right. But I'm here to say. Sounds like he had some bad lucker. Let's let's. And and and, and so Lucker famously uh, referred to Ty Cobb as a, a, a horrible slur uh, that involves a fraction and a racial slur. Don't try to think about what it is. Point is. Pulled him out into the stands and, and and Ty Cobb beat him up. And most people might be thinking to themselves, you can't go into the stands to assault somebody. But, newspaper coverage from the time would seem to indicate that not so many people blamed Mr. Cobb for this incident. No. Oh, so this is like when a drunk guy is by you and the police take him away and everyone in your stand cheers right. because was being a jerk. Yeah. Bing! Okay, <laughs> and exactly. back then it was all about like uh, mob justice, right? Yeah. Isn't that wasn't that the time the the classic tale of Ty Cobb beating a poor disabled man? Not exactly on point. Uh, so here's here's a passage from the newspaper account at the time. While one of Frank Farrell's grim-faced Pinkertons stood fully within earshot, a noisy in the left field stands at yesterday's game heaped abuse and vilification on Ty Cobb until the outraged player was provoked into administering a well-deserved beating. A well-deserved beating. And this is like well, the wow. daily news in the newspaper. There's a little bit of editorial in this one. True, a yeah. little bit, but Just again. A tad. <laughs> like, you know this crime, this assault? Yeah, he had it coming. Yes, and, and wait for this. The recipient emerging therefrom with a sadly marked... I think g- that's g- that g- 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 word about the shape of people's skulls that they were into, at like the turn of the century, that's total BS. Uh, Phrenology? O- physi- g- 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 oh, nope, you're right, that's that, and this is something different. This is Physiogamogy. G- yeah. Uh, P- H- 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 y- Fibonacci. Fibonacci. H- o- g- which N- is o- M- 1, 2, 3, 5, 8. <laughs> 1, 2, 3, 5, 8, 11. Uh... Yeah, Fibonacci over here. Continuing. (laughs) (laughs) When Cobb walked off the field, the few hisses that greeted him were drowned in vigorous applause. And this is in New York, we should point out. So this is a Detroit Tiger beat up a New York fan, and the New York home crowd is like, yeah, woo! And beat him up, and apparently it was like the seventh inning when Cobb finally cracked. This guy had been going since like inning one. Yikes. Uh, The New York Times... A more recent article did allow uh, that this wasn't precisely all there. Uh, It says that some fans tried to intervene, but several teammates who had followed Cobb into the stands held them off with bats. (laughs) So He had a bat escort into the stands. That does take a little bit more of an organized crime feel to it. Uh, But here's the thing. Point is, this is all just... First act background, right? This is the inciting incident of our lovely, heartwarming movie. And it was well-deserved. Yeah. I mean, the, the press was well lighter. lie to us. Beating. Yeah. Uh, but the, 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 to, to skip through the next thing, Ty Cobb is suspended indefinitely for beating up a fan. Sure. Understandable. Regardless of how That's much- That's your customer, and the customer is always right. Yeah. <laughs> regardless of how much the fan might have deserved it, you still have to serve out your suspension. Sure. But the Tigers don't like this. They're like, Ty was totally in the right to kick that guy's ass. Mm-hmm. So they all go on strike. Ah. First ever Major League Baseball player strike in history. And not about labor, but in support of their uh, yes. compatriot who beat up a fan. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And making <laughs> assault legal. That would be a... That's that's essentially what happens. Where was the union on that one? We need assault against fans to be legalized. Was no union. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and so now we arrive uh, at the end of Act One when Tigers owner Frank Navin. Navin? Navin. Navin. Frank Navin finds out that he's going to get fined $5,000 for every game that he's mm. unable to field a team for. And back then that was like a billion dollars. With fuck that, he responded and immediately tasked manager Huey Jennings with putting together <laughs> a team to play the Athletics. Yo, Huey, get some neighborhood kids. Probably added something to the effect of. And don't spend too much. <laughs> sure. Cue the entrance of our protagonist, Alan Travers, 20-year-old seminary student from Philly. Didn't even make the baseball team at his school. But now... At his seminary school. At his wow. seminary school. That, you're not a very good Yikes. baseball player. Yeah, he did I not mean, spend his summers in the You say that, sandlot. Jordan, but here he is, through his connections as the team manager getting a chance to play Major League Baseball. I bet he's like a Rudy type, though. Like, he wants it so bad. Oh, I can imagine. He's got heart of a champion. Yeah, exactly. Travers, tasked with coming out a team, goes up and rounds up eight other neighborhood kids with the offer of $25 a piece. Oh, there we go. That's where you get the montage of you need the demolition expert. Right. You need the, the, the con I imagine man, it was the, a bunch you need of acrobat. Characters. You need the acrobat. I feel like YouTube, there's the one young kid who's not 18. He's got to slip away from his parents. Right. Yep. You got the Bash brothers. You know. Yeah. All, Some kid all who's of got a ditch his factory job. Right. Totally. All you of son them, of a bitch. I'm in. All of them with specific weaknesses and strengths to be sure. Right. That they cover for each other when they come together as a team oh he's a great batter but he's got to wear thick glasses they also they they uh spent 25 dollars to hire boxer billy maharg and guess what billy maharg had a future in baseball he's not done after this game played in one game for the 1916 phillies Oh, and he was also implicated as the bag man in the 1919 Black Sox scandal. Oh, <laughs> oh there we go. So auspicious start for one Come on, hard. just a bag man, you know? So this is ultimately also a prequel to the 1919 Black Sox scandal. Yeah, kind of. This, yeah. A, yeah. This, this is more of like an HBO miniseries all of a sudden than it is a movie. You're right. Know. You're right. Uh, but so. uh it's like The Crown. Right, we're going to go through the generations of these people. Right. well now we're, we're like halfway through the second act. They've gathered their ragtag team and they're actually taking the field against the Philadelphia Athletics. So now it's time for them to go win two-time defending world champion Philadelphia Athletics. They they no one has given them a chance. And this is in Philadelphia. This is in Philadelphia. Tigers on the road again. And they've got a real Ted Lasso type putting them together, <laughs> right? Is, yes, indeed. Uh, and so they decide that Travers is going to be the pitcher. Do you know how they decide this? Drawing straws. Travers finds out that whoever pitches is going to get $50. Hey! (laughs) Capitalism wins again! (laughs) He says, sure, I'll pitch to the two-time defending world champions. Uh, He was informed by Huey Jennings to stick to his slow curve because he thought if he threw his fastball... He was going to get killed out there. Sure. <laughs> it would come right back at him. Return to sender, am I right? Yeah. The slow curve, however, one that the Philadelphia Athletics would not be familiar with. Ooh. A pitch that was going to throw them a little bit of a curveball, if you will. Literally. And that's how the story of Alan Travers takes the mound, throws a complete game. Gives wow. up a mere twenty-four runs. Well, there we go—a Oakland and now Oakland Athletics record to this day. <laughs> wow! Uh, now it was mercifully an eight-inning, and this is the <laughs> oh, point they where, called it after eight innings. They're like, eh, you gotta, no, no, you gotta no, stop if, it. If you're the away team and the other team has a lead, they don't bat in the bottom of the ninth. Oh, got because it. Because there'd be no point. Yeah, and so this is the point where we depart from Hollywood ever so slightly. Right. Right. Uh, of the 24 runs, only 14 were earned, though. <laughs> so Gotta was, point that out. So there's huh. a ton of errors in this game. There were, well, you say a ton. There were seven errors. Oh. I think that's pretty limited, considering. <laughs> Given the circumstance. <laughs> right, a bunch of seminary school boys. <laughs> and here's here's some other things about the box score, Jordan, that I think you should hear, that should let you know a little bit more about Alan Travers. He uh, surrendered 26 hits and seven walks. Seven walks in 51 batters, okay? This is the sort of professionalism that doesn't get called how anymore. But this is a guy who understands, hey, I'm here to throw strikes. We're not going to win. We're not going to do well. We're not going to hold him to under 10 runs. I'm going to keep putting the ball over the plate until we've got enough outs. <laughs> and I get my $50. Right. $50. 50- was, you was, can't take that back. Was the $50 contingent on it being a complete game? If we go to the For every other pitcher we use, we're knocking it down five. I'm, one, I'm sure they did. One I, would have to assume. We go to the pen, you're getting yeah. 40 $35. we will go bucks. to the factory next door pull someone in and be like, want to make a quick Finsky? Yeah. A few other <laughs> notable elements of the box score. Final score was 24-2. to two. What? just scored two runs in the first inning. How? Uh, apparently... Uh, The Athletics changed pitchers After three innings Taking out Jack Coons Presumably because he was spending too long Between innings in which he was actually pitching Yeah That's what I'd assume They were like put in the bat boy We don't want to burn out any arms of our guys They put in one Boardwalk Brown who surrendered three hits and two runs. Wow. That's a great baseball name. Boardwalk Brown right? from 1912. So apparently, not a great baseball player.
1: Because yeah.
0: he gave up three hits and two runs to a bunch of yahoos off the street. <laughs> uh, and here, Jordan, here, here, though, is my favorite part of this story. Uh, the best part of this box score uh, of Travers' line is that he had negative 0.5 war for the day. <laughs> and first of all, Phil, war wins above replacement, like... Three uh, is a good season. Sure. Negative one half after one day is really bad. Yeah. But I think it's especially great because Travers was literally a replacement player. Sure. <laughs> the right. The statistic is meant to describe how you would compare to a replacement player. He was a replacement player and he got negative half a war. <laughs> It's almost impossible, you'd say. Right? You're the baseline, one would assume. Apparently they need to recalibrate wins above replacement Oh, get Jonah Hill and Brad Pitt on that one, huh? Either that, or Alan Travers was that much worse than any other random guy you picked up off the street. (laughs) Anyway, that's it. That's the movie. More of a Rocky 1 than a Rocky 2. I think we could decide at the end. They go the distance. he went the distance. Still haven't broken that record for the athletics, but Alan Travers, who would go on to become a priest, to this day remains the only priest who's ever played in a major league game. Oh. Okay, that's fun. Well, there we go. That's a fun fact. Right? right? Well, Jesus couldn't save him on this day, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And that brings to a close another sports throughout history bum, bum, ba, bum, bum, bum. brought to you by the history channel hey wood is old let's watch that history that's our show email us at two and a half sportsman at gmail.com find us on twitter at sportsman pod or check out all of our episodes on any of those major podcast platforms